0: So how many miles did you walk today?
1: Today was 16.7. Oh, it was gosh. brutal.
0: Oh, my <laughs> goodness, man. Yeah. Would you walk 150 miles in order to discover what solidarity looks like, to learn all the ways that you could become an advocate for those who are disadvantaged in the systems of the world? Hello, this is Todd Littleton with Path the podcast for the pastor-theologian. We're that podcast that explores the intersection of life and faith from the lens of pastoral work, pastoral ministry, that is, the, the care of others. So it's not just about moving from a position of caring, but thinking about that through the lens of God's activity in the world, that is, real work in the world. Today on the podcast... Excited to have Blake Oakley. I met Blake through a mutual friend, and we had a conversation at just nearly his halfway point traveling the Camino del Emigrante. I confess I knew nothing about it. Was glad to read a brief interview with Blake as he was uh, considering taking this track. And then he he should finish probably. uh, He finished yesterday or he'll finish today. As he's traveled from Tijuana to Los Angeles. So we're going to talk to a young man who went from Eden, North Carolina to Tijuana, and we're going to ask him, what in the world was he thinking? So when you get through with the podcast, you may want to share this with someone who uh, is uh, looking to learn all the ways and possibilities and ins- and find inspiration for what it means to live in solidarity with those who've been pressed to the margins of the different cultures and societies in our world, because along the way, we'll need to learn that incarnating the life of Jesus into the mix of our own makeup and, and how we make our decisions in the world will produce advocates for change in economics, in social structures, in political structures, and of course, in the life of the church. So sit back and take this in, and and, uh, as you uh, find it helpful, share the podcast. Uh, Do us a favor and leave us a review in iTunes. Give us a five-star rating. It helps us get found, especially for those who may be searching for this particular subject and some inspiration for advocating for others and various ways that that can be done. Stay tuned at the end. We'll have a couple announcements, and uh, as always, thanks for listening. Well, Blake, I'm glad to have you on the podcast today, and uh, let me do something here. Um, Uh A mutual friend that uh, uh, we have uh, interviewed you and Alan Cross, uh, who I've known for a while and works at the uh, Evangelical Immigration Table, uh, has a couple of other uh, ministry things that he does, but he's squarely interested in the issues of race and immigration and refugees and those mm-hmm. sorts of things. And so yeah. um, he, he told me you were um, uh, walking uh, the El Camino. and so Right, before- El Camino del Immigrante. There we go. So before we kind of cover that and what in the world you think you're doing with that, tell us a little bit about yourself. You, you're, you're Pastor Blake, and so um, fill us in just a little bit uh, about yourself.
1: Right, so I'm Pastor Blake, I'm uh, an associate pastor at a small rural church in a small town called Eden, North Carolina, It was sort of a, a flourishing little city uh, during, uh, sort of when textile manufacturing was still a thing in the United States, but has recently sort of seen an economic decline, and uh, I've been there for about four years now.
0: Well, Fantastic. Um so uh, is this the first place you've served have you served uh, elsewhere uh, Yeah
1: I've served. I've served in other churches uh as intern pastor volunteer teacher uh you know
0: so on All right and um and so have you have you long had a passion or an interest in uh issues related to refugees and immigration or is this something uh that God uh, kind of opened you up to recently?
1: Uh, you know, it it was an interest and yet I feel like it's something that has really become, uh, so much more for me to learn about, uh, just, just recently. So, uh, you know, I'm here walking the Camino and I am, uh, I'm walking humbly. I'm walking humbly for a lot of different reasons, but uh, one of them is definitely that I am a learner, especially when it comes to all of the nuanced issues surrounding the topic of immigration. And uh, some of the leaders here, some of the teachers, they've been involved in uh, advocacy for immigrants for, you know, 30 years or so. And so I'm learning so much from them. and thankful for them uh, just as people who are who are being a voice, uh, but also raising up the next generation of of advocates.
0: Well, so describe describe this uh, pilgrimage you're on. That's that's one way I believe you described it. So so describe yes. mm-hmm. this pilgrimage event. What what are the what are the elements? Um, you're you're traveling in a, a particular way. Um, I think barefoot and. Um, <laughs> like a-
1: I started out barefoot, but I'm not. I could not stay barefoot uh, the whole time.
0: No. Okay. Well, well, fill us in on uh, just uh, what what this uh, pilgrimage is like, and and how you got connected with it, and and that sort of thing.
1: Right. So when uh, you know when you ask your average church attender about spiritual disciplines, or you know what they do for spiritual formation, usually. Uh, when we talk about when we use that sort of language, we're talking about reading your Bible, or uh, attending a worship service, or praying. Um, but uh, the pilgrimage, this ancient Christian spiritual discipline, this walking over long distances, and uh, that's that's essentially what we're doing here. We're walking from Tijuana, Mexico, uh, the border to Los Angeles, so walking all the way about 150 miles over 11 days, and uh, we're doing it to, uh, you know, in one sense, as a pilgrimage, uh, as this sort of uh, uh, this spiritual discipline where it puts ourselves in a place of introspection, and we are acting in solidarity with immigrants, with those who have... Cross the border with those who have uh, experienced the the pain and the struggle of coming into a land that is not their land and being a refugee as one who is seeking a refuge and uh, so on one hand there's that act of solidarity and on the other hand this this, this pilgrimage is about advocacy it 's about uh, raising a voice. Uh, and helping people to become aware of the nuanced issues that surround immigration.
0: Well, let's let's take a take take those two a little bit deeper. So when you when you describe this this pilgrimage in one aspect of it as a solidarity, right. um, I, I'm assuming. Did you grow up uh, Baptist, Southern Baptist? Uh, I
1: grew up, yeah, as a child, Southern Baptist, and then uh, sort of bounced around as I went through college, uh, went to an Evangelical Presbyterian church during my college years, mm-hmm. then went to an Evangelical Free Church seminary right. at Trinity, and while I was there, I was going to an Evangelical Covenant church in, okay. uh, in Logan Square, Chicago. So I just have a lot of different tastes and flavors uh, in my in my background.
0: Well the reason I ask is is <clears throat> I grew up in that uh Southern Baptist tradition and I'm right mm-hmm. I I have I think I think you're what 30 is that right Right mm-hmm. Yeah I'm I so I'm I'm a wee few years older and the idea or the um uh description of walking with someone Solidarity was not in the vocabulary.
1: Right, not 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 in the Southern Baptist dictionary.
0: Yeah. No, 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 not not much at all. Although I think there are places that's changing. Um, I, I I'm wondering how it, describe when when you say solidarity. Kind of describe the the thing you're aiming for. What what sort of interaction, human experience, what expression. When you say solidarity, um, and you're you're talking about it as a consequence of a spiritual pilgrimage. This is some product Mm -hmm. of this spiritual pilgrimage. Kind of go a little bit further with that. What does that that mean to you?
1: Right. And if I were to just grab a proof text that would just sort of sum up solidarity, I think of the verse... Uh, mourn with those who mourn and rejoice with those who rejoice. It's the idea that we as Christians have a calling placed upon us by the Holy Spirit to incarnate ourselves with those who are suffering, to, to experience the pain of those who are in pain. And uh, the, the pattern is first set by us, by the very incarnation itself, the original incarnation, where Jesus comes and then he, he lives his life in such a way, and in the end he says, now you also take up your cross and follow me. So when we talk about living the Christian life, when we talk about engaging each other in these discipleship relationships, go and make disciples, uh, this all... He, he uses this metaphor of cross-bearing, and so if I'm going to speak mindfully and with a spiritual wisdom on the issue of immigration, for example, at some point there, ha- there has to be some sort of solidarity taking place, or else I'm, I'm speaking from a position of ignorance. I'm speaking from a perspective that has boundaries around it. And so in in the article that I wrote for uh, ccda.org that came out today, I I, I framed this as walking towards the new we, is how do we define who is with us and who is outside of us? And uh, people's vision, people's perspective, you can think of it as if there's like a wall around it and there are people who are excluded, people included, and how can you speak about those who are on the other side of the wall uh, intelligently or with wisdom or with uh, um, the, the the perspective that God has on that person unless you know somewhat of their experience, okay? And, of course, we never want to be so arrogant as to say, you know, what I'm doing is the same as
0: Sure. You know.
1: Maybe what, what and, and, and uh, you know, someone, I was talking, I was talking with um, someone I met on the Camino the other day. His name was Daniel. He came here from Peru when he was 12, and just hearing his story. So, I, you know, I, I'm not, you know, full of hubris and saying, oh, what I'm doing here is exactly what he's, he's doing. But there is something to the spiritual discipline of pilgrimage where you are placing yourself in a position to be open. To Learning from the experience of the immigrant, and you mentioned the barefoot thing, and so that's why uh, with so many so many immigrants are, are coming and, and they just have no shoes on, and so uh, I love going without shoes. Anyone who knows me will tell you that, mm-hmm. but starting this hundred fifty mile journey out with no shoes and just going as far as I could with no shoes. So of the group, I, my blister started up really early on.
0: I bet.
1: The the, uh, the concrete and the heat, and uh, the, it's solidarity. And I, I can understand where, you know, you're talking about people who have come up in the Southern Baptist tradition. They look at that and maybe saying, well, what has that accomplished? That's, that's, that hasn't accomplished anything. Or give me, what's what's the bottom line? Give me, you know. But it's pilgrimage. It's a discipline. It's spiritual formation. And then beyond that, it is advocacy. It yeah. is being a voice for the voiceless. It's it, it, it's it's calling attention to those who our nation has decided, oh, it's best that they remain invisible.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it, th- this is a process that is beyond go read a book about it. Right. And and most of what we get in terms of the experience of the other is largely uh, a mediated antidote. That is, a uh, pastor, minister, teacher will tell us a story of either their own or another to try mm-hmm. to capture the imagination of the hearer or the listener. But that in right. no way is is frankly really solidarity until you've actually... As you you're describing, walked the Camino. Um, right. It's it's just really kind of an abstraction where you're trying to guess what it must feel like. You're trying to contrive some sort of empathy uh, in this particular right. move. You're you're actually taking up the stance and the position with, and I think that's really the 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 uh, emphasis that that. I think is really valuable in what you're doing. It is the with part, and right. um, when we refer to the incarnation, we are referring to God with us. And so, yeah. in that in that solidarity, this is a move with. And most of the time, uh, in in the United States and American Christianity, um, our with is at a distance, uh, and right. and so mm-hmm. whether it's the Camino or it's the addict, or it's the person facing uh financial disaster, or it's and, and we could just go on and on. It's generally yeah. mm-hmm. um, a matter of a distant for or a distant interest, but not with. And and so right. so y- your uh, action provides um, a, a helpful uh, image for those who listen to this podcast to To move to the place to say, well, a pastoral act is an act with; it's right. not an act in place of. In other words, you don't do it for them; you mm-hmm. do it with them. And and exactly. I think that's a pretty powerful, really, really powerful uh, first move. And it and it, yeah. and, it, and I think that's the initiation. Uh, in and then we move to talk about uh, advocacy and all the ways that that gets played out. So as you're on your pilgrimage and you're, you're thinking about the outcomes, and I'm wondering, have you, have you thought or meditated or prayed as you've have you been on your journey, what's some of the, the modes or means of advocacy uh, that you think will interest you the most?
1: The, the biggest one I'm interested in, and I do feel like we have seen some of this happening even while we're in the midst of this event right now where this is day five uh, out, of de- out of 11 days total. And I, I, I believe we've already seen some impact of this where the, the national conversation on immigration uh, cannot be driven by fear – and paranoia. But if indeed we're talking about uh, the stranger in the land, as as the phrase is used in the Old Testament, or the sojourner, uh, if we're talking about God's heart for refugees, people who are not in their homeland, but who are among us, and we, we see his heart for that, then um, it's a conversation that has to be driven by compassion Hmm. and that, you know, that word literally meaning, you know, feeling with. Mm -hmm. So when Jesus becomes incarnate, becomes human incarnate, our problems become his problem and he has to face, face the penalty for the sin problem Uh, to incarnate ourselves so that we are able to feel with means that the problem of the, Immigrant becomes our problem. The the blisters become our problem. The sore feet become our problem. The uh, uh, the oppression and the unjust policies that create humanitarian pro- uh, crises uh, in different parts of the world should weigh us on our heart. And uh, you, you just you can't. You can't reduce that conversation just down to numbers. Uh, I, I mean, not not with any sort of conviction from the Holy Spirit in your heart. You have to look at the stories. You have to listen to the the cries and the pain, and uh, and that begins changing your perspective. You know, I'm not saying it's going to you know, maybe radically shift what you believe about what ought to be done, but Uh, at the very least, if it can change how we think about and how we discuss as a nation uh, the need for immigration reform, then uh, I think that's that's an outcome I can be excited
0: about. Don't you expect that if um, more people who have a particular vision of what to do, were they to walk the Camino they would probably come to uh, some different possibilities.
1: I believe so. there There's always going to be a spectrum of responses to you know what what ought to be done or what we think should be done when it comes to immigration reform. I think most people, when they look at it, they see it as a very you know antiquated you know system of uh, of policies. That do not in any way reflect the lived experience of immigrants. And that's the problem. And the the rhetoric as well that's being used in our nation right now, it does not accurately reflect the reality of the lived experience of the immigrants who are among us. And so, you know, that's that's to me is that's that's how we take the step from solidarity to advocacy. It's just this—it's this calling out to uh, listen to the stories, open your eyes, and see what's real, and then you begin to get an understanding of why the current system is, is broken. And really, if you were to put it very simply, it's broken because it, it, there's there's this there's this lack of congruence between what the lived experience is, between what is real and what is happening to the refugees and immigrants among us in
0: our land. Yeah, and that's precisely why I suspect that uh, a pilgrimage uh, like the one you are on would uh, take apart whatever preconceptions I might have once I've entered the lived experience. Exactly. And that's why I say I think the the thing that you're... um, Keying on which I I, I completely agree with it, is that there has to be a shift in the subject of the conversation that's had on the uh, matters related to immigration and refugees in our country. There's no question about that, and I think that the more uh, you know, more powerful moves will be made by those who have been with, and uh, right. n- not realistically, not everyone can maybe take 11 days and go walk the Camino, but nearly all of us could look around, especially those of us who are going to claim uh, to be Jesus people, could look around, and we probably could find someone who either in their past experience uh, came here uh, from another place. They are the stranger. Uh, yeah. or or, no, or has family that's waiting to make that journey themselves. Right. Mm-hmm. And so striking up friendship might be um, one of the means whereby someone who can't go make that 11-day, 150-mile track could uh, mm-hmm. have that similar experience right there near where they spend most of their time
1: yes most definitely because because now it, it becomes a a relational conversation it becomes a conversation about you know that, that that has a face it becomes personal and uh right now the 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 tension is is this conversation going to be one of fear and paranoia or is it going to be one of compassion and um yeah, exactly. What you're talking about is the sort of thing that's going to help, you know, bring down walls that is hindering people's vision of seeing all the the nuances of of the issue of immigration, and uh, and you know, our thinking becomes less clouded when when such things happen.
0: Well, when when you encounter uh, Christian folks, and let's let's just say for instance because this is not like uh, a reach this is not like an unnecessary fabrication there are plenty of christians who have a position that's been ginned up out of out of fear and paranoia right. and um you know there there're always a variety of uh, relational options in those moments you know there is the scorched earth policy you know you could just you know, rain down all sorts of uh, anathemas on them uh, mm-hmm. that <laughs> seldom really works. It it leaves them more scarred and marred than anything else. Um, exactly. But but what are the theme subjects that, that you envision would be uh, really helpful to um, uh, lovingly bring someone to the place where they uh, are, are self-aware enough to know that they are making a decision that's really rooted in fear and paranoia where they think that um, maybe their way of looking at it is just common sense.
1: Right, exactly, yeah. I think I think what, you know, a space needs to be made for people to make an honest expression of their anxiety um, because, okay, fear is a powerful force and it can be very controlling, uh, but instead of having a, a reaction where we just, you know, automatically label people as bigoted or xenophobic or racist or nationalist uh, because they're expressing anxiety, uh, yeah, it is going to have this effect of, of shoving them further and further into, I think, a very inaccurate and unhealthy way of thinking about human lives mm-hmm. and, you know, what people truly want and what people want to experience. And it gets them further away from the reality of the situation, and when 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 we're sort of out of touch with that reality, that's where we get caught in this in this uh, this limbo of of movements not happening, you know right like we're, we're on the camino, but we're, we're not going the right direction or we're not going any exactly. direction. and, and you, you get into this very frustrating place. Um, and you know, it's, it's something that I, you know, I'm, I've been experienced, I experienced it today. We have sort of the one of the longest legs of our journey was today, 17 miles. And you get to the place where, you know, I'm looking at the map and it's, oh, I've gotten off track and, um, and I, you know, I've really wished things were done and my feet are numb and I cannot feel them. And, uh, the, the conversation stalls out. And that's, you know, lack of movement, I think, is, is not what, what we want in this, com- in this national conversation. So I think a safe place to express fear and s- express anxiety, national security should be a healthy part of the conversation. Um, uh, you know, uh, policy about selection should be a healthy part of the conversation. And I think when people feel like they're being heard and respected, they're willing to peer into the reality and lived experience of the people we're talking about i think that's why so many christians are hesitant to 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 make that relationship or to make that walk or to to peer into the lived experience of the immigrant because in their minds it's they think of it as uh, just oh this is just a political issue and this, this has nothing to do with what I believe as a Christian or what I do as a Jesus follower. I don't see how my faith intersects with this issue because it's political. And yes, it's it's political to a degree, but it's important for people to understand that this is a more than political issue, that it's a relational issue, that it's a spiritual issue. And when we when we forget that, and when we turn it into numbers and we we distance ourselves from the lived experience and the reality of what of what's what people are 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 struggling with every day, then it becomes very easy for us to uh, demonize the immigrant, to blame them for our problems, to um, forget that ultimately, the entire history of America is the story of fruitful and successful immigration. Uh, unless you are a full-blooded First Nations person, you just, you just look back at the generations of your family. At some point, you are an immigrant in this land. Uh, so beyond that, as Christians, one of the strongest callings upon us is to view ourselves as strangers in the land, you know, refugees seeking refuge. Uh, one of the things Al and I were talking about uh, was if God is our refuge and we are to walk with him and we are to seek him out, it means that we are ones seeking refuge. We are spiritual refugees. That alone, if we understand that at a theological level, should give us some point of identification with people who are physical and literal refugees in our land, and there, there should be a bond, there should be a connection there to take it from just a political issue to a relational one, a
0: spiritual one. You would think that the essential features of the Jesus story and the story of the church, tied, you know, clearly to a, a sojourning people in the Hebrew scriptures, mm-hmm. would not be so difficult to grasp. But it, it seems that when you describe the need for people to see themselves as refugees seeking refuge in the God who made them, and that that ought to maybe spur them to be more compassionate, open to the other who is, uh, by experience, a refugee looking for refuge. It would seem that would be a more natural product. What do you suppose... um, what do you suppose creates such a difficult bridge for us to get there? And, and I'm, I'm thinking more of, you know, m- beyond just labeling it fear and paranoia, because mm-hmm. politics, uh, it, in its in its root form, it is really just the manner in which people live together. Um, right. it, it's it's not. It, it's become uh, something else, but in its origin was really a descriptor of how people organize to get along together in the world. Exactly. And so, essentially, um, it, it is politics in the best sense of the word. And yet, from many Christians' perspective, uh, the the use of politics in the negative. Is actually a stonewalling of the story of God.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So, so what, 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 what is privileged in in the mind of? Do you think is privileged in the mind of of those who resist that aspect of Jesus? The, the you know God's story in Jesus. That's a
1: good question. I think part of the answer, probably not all of it, but part of it, lies in this, in, in this sort of the trend uh, that's happening in churches where the the expectation is: we come, we get inspired. If I feel inspired, then you know, then things are good, and it's sort of this emotionally driven American Christianity experience, and that is very far removed from the rawness of the story of God's people in the Old Testament, and there's a disconnect from our experience as American Christians, and the reality that this, we're, the, the, this is a, a people who are not a people, who have no place, and God is going to take them and turn them into a people and ultimately call them the kingdom of priests. And the process of that happening and the strong uh, sort of national identity or the strong identity as a people group, uh, I think because we, we fail to see the rawness of that story and how it sort of meets its final and ultimate fulfillment in the most unexpected of ways, in the Messiah, uh, we we fail to, that, that, that's why we fail to, to understand that th- this has very real and concrete implications for how we treat the immigrant and the refugee and the people who do not have a land, the people who do not have a people to call their own. And so it, it becomes this struggle for us to, you know, how, how, how do we answer the question, who are we? And does that include you? Does it not include you? And there's an uncertainty about that. For the Christian, when there's an understanding of the gospel, uh, to me, that, that should bring about a lot more clarity. But I think, I think, that's, I think that's part of the, the struggle
0: there that you're talking about yeah I, I, I think I think you're onto to something, um, and, and I'm, I guess the thing that I start you know down is is in, and again, I'm, I'm using your the image of your pilgrimage of mm-hmm. your goals of solidarity and advocacy and and the fact that you are I- I literally immersing yourself into a an alternate story outside of Eden, North Carolina. Right. And it, it seems that that, that maybe w- we have trouble getting outside of the story we've created. Yeah. And and so um when pressed that that really provokes a good bit of fear because while all of us are in some way, connected to a refugee story. Mm -hmm. That's been so long ago, it's not even part of our memory.
1: Yes.
0: And And the consequence of that is we've actually created another story that actually has displaced that reality, and we like that story better.
1: Yeah. So when that narrative is challenged, we get uncomfortable, and unfortunately, the reaction many times is fear. Yes. And is you know put up your defenses. Yes. And uh,
0: it's it's a matter of loss, isn't it? I'm going to lose something if I if I yeah. take on a different narrative. I've got I'm, I'm going to lose something.
1: Right, and I think that's part of it. And part of the fear is, is losing a, a sort of a sense of identity that has mm-hmm. been crafted by. The sort of the current narrative you're living, mm-hmm. and that's the struggle. That that's the, you know, that's the journey. Yeah. That's probably the real the real pilgrimage. And this is what I called walking towards the new we. The real pilgrimage is the journey of expanding your narrative. Yes. So that it includes the stories of uh, the the other, whoever the other is. In this case, we're we're speaking about uh, refugees and immigrants. And how their story can impact and expand and influence uh, not only not only sort of your lived experience, the narrative that you've crafted, but we as God's people, how does that help us be in tune with how God understands reality?
0: Yes, 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 and and, and I think that that from there, when when you go back to Eden and and maybe folks pick up the uh the article that you wrote and have conversations with you those are certainly starting places where uh you will have the opportunity to practice the advocacy you want to see come out of this are there other are there other hoped for um avenues that or uh, that you thought about that that uh you know, might take the form of, an, of advocacy for you?
1: Um, ultimately, we, I mean, and, and uh, as little as I know about all the intricacies and the various policies, uh, and I'm still learning about all of it, but to see some change in, in the policies that are causing the struggle, that do not match uh, the reality and
0: uh, so what options do you see and so would that be would that be engaging the political process in some level would that be a um, you know picking up you uh, know in, in the small l uh, lobbying sorts of relationships to get the attention of legislators and or I
1: think that's part of it yeah you know part part of this of this experience, uh, El Camino del Inmigrante is, uh, making noise is mm. saying, is saying this is, is an of course, now when this whole thing was planned, uh, we had no clue, no idea that immigration was going to be as big of a national issue as it has become, uh, just in the political realm, uh, so on and so forth. So it's just this sort of an ironic uh, occurrence, but but yes, since it is such at the forefront of what you see in news at the moment, there is there is this calling attention to some of the broken realities of how the system is failing. Just you know, just at a practical level, um, uh, when you start looking at, and so each each night when everyone's done walking. We all come together, and we, we have sort of a time of worship, and we have a focus uh, point. And we have – so like yesterday, we were talking about uh, farm workers, and there's a huge percentage of farm workers that are uh, undocumented uh, laborers. And that's just because the the there's the shortfall, shortfall in the labor market demands it, and you have basic supply and demand, and yet the policies don't match what's happening – you know, on the ground and there's this tension and that could be resolved by thinking through some policies, And so you have, um, you have some of these issues going on that are leaving people in very, very vulnerable positions. And, uh, it's it's a dangerous thing that so many, not only undocumented immigrants here, but just refugees, some of the risk that they are taking uh, fleeing from the oppression of war or the oppression of hunger is leaving them in extremely vulnerable positions. And they are being taken advantage of and oppressed in and, and horrific ways. And, uh,
0: it, it, it's almost a double oppression.
1: Right. Yes, very much so. Yeah. 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 And you, you, you see it, and you hear about it, and you read about it, and, okay, what, what policies need to change so that we are a nation that stands for freedom from oppression? If we can how, how do we demonstrate this this you know ideal this 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 thing that is a part of our national identity that we hold to so so dearly uh, and 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 now I think we start changing the conversation to to me the conversation changes first and then policies follow yeah uh, that you know I think think sort of the the cultural narrative shifts and and then the governing uh, bodies, you know, sort of follow up with something. I, I think that's that's how you usually see it go. Right. Um, and so that, that's why I focus so much on on what's what's the narrative that has been crafted. Why has it been crafted in such a way? And how can we expand it uh, or change it when it is not the story that that God is 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 crafting uh, when He has in mind. Uh, the immigrant and the refugee.
0: Yeah, I, and I, I I couldn't help but think that when you were um, describing the uh, stand against oppression, mm-hmm. that, you know, the, the Jesus story is, I'm going to, you know, I came to, to give the good news to set the captive free. And and so, there is an intersection with uh, this uh, alleged national uh, value uh, against oppression, Mm -hmm. and the preaching, teaching, ministry, life work of Jesus to announce uh, the freedom to the captive and and that right. and that intersection seems pretty important. Right.
1: Very important. And I think what what we as American Christians are so guilty of is taking the the life and lived experience of Jesus and sort of the radical nature of what he did and trying to transform it into a bunch of syllogisms. Yes. Or something that we can sort of capture with with our, you know, system of logic and we sort of sterilize it. And when we do it, we, we forget that, you know, this is something that is alive and true and active and it has very real implications for, uh, how we treat the other yes. or, you know, how we understand ourselves uh, we we don't get you know when when, you, when we say we're taking up our cross and we're abandoning all to to follow Jesus you know when we call His person you know, we're dropping the fishing nets and we follow him immediately uh, we no longer get the right to define who we are that that's what he gets to do hmm. and so um, and yeah. that it's it's a very very inclusive identity. Yes. Uh, the identity of a Christ follower, and that's the narrative. That's the narrative that you see uh, when room is made for the foreigner in the in the Old Testament. You know, you can think particularly of the story of Ruth, mm-hmm. or when yes. um, Jesus he talks about the prophets going to the the uh, people who were not God's people, and he tells the stories that uh, that rile people up and almost get them killed, and. He talks to the Samaritan woman, and he talks to the centurion, and you see this 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 anticipation of expansion, and then the Holy Spirit comes, and the entire narrative of the church of the first century church is one where it's unhindered gospel movement, gospel action, and you you just can't sterilize that, right. you just can't turn that into um, into dead doctrine it's a doctrine that has life it's a doctrine that's dramatic it's it's uh it's a it's something that you know gets you out and starts you walking it puts you on a pilgrimage it Mm. puts you on a journey yeah so
0: well you know i um i kind of wanted to uh, i left this kind of for the end Because the one thing that you said at the outset that I I think really is key, uh, and I, I, I I have, have I'm own, you know, all of us have our own personal mantras or, or, you know, Mm -hmm. things we live by, and 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 one I developed when I was in in seminary this second time around was that leaders are always learners and, and you, you remarked that you were learning and that really what you are doing while you're on this pilgrimage is you're, you're learning the, 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 the circumstances of the immigrant and refugee. You're learning the nuances of their experience and the laws of the land and the policies that are in place that seem to disadvantage them all over again the incongruities that you described and and you're still maintaining i'm still learning and and i i i think that that probably is uh one of the the best postures for these sorts of issues
1: yes yes
0: what, what is that is that something about Blake or is that something about Blake in this particular issue is your posture always um, I've got things to learn
1: I believe that that's the posture of, of any spirit filled person um, that's I think one of the things I've been thinking of as I've, the sun's been beating down on me is one of the most common metaphors that's used in the Bible for uh a spiritual journey or you're living the victorious Christian life or you know, whatever phrase you want to use. One of the most common metaphors that's used, particularly in the epistles of Paul and Peter, is walking. Mm-hmm. Just taking yes. a walk. So when when you talk about learning, uh and and having a desire to learn, and again, it's not just about learning facts. Although I am Correct. definitely learning so much about you know what the current policies are, and some some of our leaders here, uh, Noel, Alicia, they, you know, they are they're teaching so much. But I'm also learning through relationships. You know, I learned so much about the issue of immigration by talking to immigrants and hearing their lived experience. I'm learning so much experientially. I now. Have learned what it is like to, uh, you know, walk 17 miles uh, for nine hours and uh, day after day, and um, it's 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 learning through walking. And I think everyone's walking, uh, spiritually speaking. Everyone's on the the pilgrimage. Everyone's on the journey, and that that is the posture of a spirit-filled person. And um, I think your, your little platitude holds true that uh, leaders are learners and we are called to walk and called to walk humbly. Walking humbly means we have to find the willingness somewhere to let go of our arrogance to say that we know how to come in and solve problems with our resources, And uh, instead, let's come humbly, let's come as learners, let's keep our eyes open to what God is already doing in this area, and has been doing without us, and then let's graciously uh, accept the invitation to participate with him as Kingdom Builders. And there is so much rich opportunity to be Kingdom Builders around this issue of immigration,
0: yeah, I, I, yeah, and I, I'm glad you made the distinction. Learning isn't just facts, and you have described over the course of our conversation a variety of ways that you reiterated that we are always learning, and that, mm-hmm. and then from there, there are things that we can participate in, in in the kingdom with the Spirit of God's leadership that bring uh, hope to uh, yes. people who. Really, have a great uh, difficult time uh, seeing much of yes. that. Yes. Well, Blake, is there anything that you uh, thought we might talk about, or or something that you know you you've kind of thought, man, I I really want to say this that, that, that <laughs> might that might uh, um, you know uh, send our listeners out with something that uh, they could chew on.
1: Right, nothing particular comes to mind. I, I'm just sort of a go with the flow kind of person. I've enjoyed the conversation. If if there is anything that your your listeners uh, take away, it is especially as we concluded, uh, you, you're walking, you're walking, and um, be open to what to what God wants to do on your pilgrimage, and you don't you don't have to you know go to Tijuana and touch the wall and uh, walk barefoot across the land and come to L.A. to, uh, to have an impact. Uh, but ask yourself the question, what, what is God doing where I live? Mm. And who are the people where I live who have been ignored, who are treated as if they are invisible, who have been pushed to the margins? Because we worship a God who takes the people who've been pushed to the margin, he puts them in the center of his heart. Mm-hmm. And if that's the mm-hmm. case, that has very real implications for how we are going to live our lives and how we are going to be kingdom builders and transformers of our community uh, right where we live. And that that's the reality. And the, the spirit is, is with that mindset. The spirit is, is with that journey it's a journey that uh, forms you it's a discipline and um, and that, I believe that's that's something that's real that's something that wherever you are it's it's something that can be real
0: yeah good great word well like I'm gonna uh, find that article when i when I get ready to post uh, this uh, conversation, we'll have a link to that okay. article, and that way. Uh, folks can kind of see a little bit more about what you 've been thinking and and uh kind of your description of you know journey toward the new we and uh, i I really appreciate the time you 've taken and and uh, time you 've given to to have a conversation i 'm glad Alan kind of hooked us up and got us together and we 'll be yeah. praying that uh, you continue uh, the next six days uh, with right. with with health and success and and that the pilgrimage will continue to uh, um work uh you over regarding solidarity and advocacy and, and the good things that that will mean in Eden and beyond.
1: Yes, yeah, amen, amen to that.
0: All right. Well, I I hope you uh, uh stay well and your in the group you're traveling with too.
1: Yeah, so let me let me teach you the little blessing that we say to each other as you know, it's a pilgrimage. Sometimes we pass each other along sure. the Camino and, uh, you know, we someone's taking a break and we're walking by and what we just say, we say, Buen Camino. So that's buen, how we do it. So uh, maybe that's how we can, I think that's how we can sign off. So sure. uh, Buen Camino to you.
0: And Buen Camino to you too, Blake. Thank you.
1: Yes. All right. Yes, indeed. Praise God.
0: As always, thanks for listening. And I hope maybe you will uh, look at the resources on the blog post associated with this podcast. Maybe there you would be uh, inclined to think about the Camino del Immigrante or another means whereby you could uh, take an occasion to learn about uh, solidarity and advocacy as well as incarnation and relationship as they relate to uh, serving the needs and caring for those around you in the world in the name of Jesus. As always, I uh, want to thank you for listening and, and remind you that Pathological is a affiliate podcast of Roundtable Media Group. We have a number of podcasts over at roundtablemediagroup.com, and you are encouraged to go over there and, and listen in to the variety that's there. Also, if you would be interested in producing your own podcast, but you're not sure where to get started or how to go about it, if you'll email me at todd at com, we'd love to help you. If you happen to be interested in advertising across Roundtable Media Group podcasts, also email me at todd at roundtablemediagroup.com and we'd get the word out to you and let you know uh, how many uh, listeners you could expect to impact across the uh, number of podcasts that we currently have as we're always looking for more new voices along the way. Again, I'm shamelessly going to invite you to help me uh, get the word out So if you will share the post, share the podcast, it helps folks understand that what we're producing here is a resource for uh, people who are interested in caring for others in the world in the name of Jesus. So until next time, thanks for listening.